Welcome to the Project More Happy podcast. Today's episode is going to be hard. I'm going to be honest, it is going to be hard. It is not an episode I necessarily wanted to do, Um, but here we are. Sometimes the world uh, makes us confront things and speak up and use our voices, and today we are going to be talking about violence um, in our culture, specifically Um, gun violence. This will not be an episode about guns. It is going to be an episode about the suffering that um, is taking place in the world that we live in and how we can and should be focusing on helping one another flourish. I'm Jessica, the More Happy Coach, founder of Project More Happy and host of this podcast where we talk about the science of happiness and positive psychology and most importantly how we can put it into action to design lives and communities and a world we will love. And that's the important part today. That is what this episode is going to try to do, to help us step into and imagine a world unlike the one we live in today. So let's get to it. Project More Happy was founded over five years ago in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, We still exist in Kansas City, Missouri. It is where I do most of my work um, teaching the communities and people of this great city about happiness and how to design lives that allow them to flourish. Kansas City is um, a uniquely special place. I grew up um, not far from here, up the road, um, and I was raised a Chiefs fan. And that's where this podcast story starts, but it's not where the Project More Happy story starts. I'm not sure there's any other city in the world that loves itself quite as much as Kansas City does, and the people of Kansas City do. Um, For being a Midwest city that exists in um, the middle of America that often gets overlooked, this city um, really truly loves itself and all that it has to offer the world. And there is a lot that this city has to offer the world. This city um, is very beloved to me and um, we are to one another. A little over a week ago on Valentine's Day um, was also our city's um, Super Bowl victory parade. This is the third Super Bowl victory parade we've had in recent um, history. We went a long time without winning games. Um, but now uh, we are in the Mahomes and Kelsey era, and we've done these victory parades before. I went to the first one um, with my nephew. Um, there have been two since. I have not gone to those, but hundreds of thousands of people um, come to celebrate Our team, yes, but also our city. These schools shut down so kids can attend. Um, It is a big family event. People who are not there are watching on TV. Um, The parade itself begins um, a mile from my house. And um, Union Station, where it ends, is a family favorite destination and has been for a long, long, long time. I share all of this um, because I know most of you are aware, but not everyone, 
that our city suffered um, yet another horrific tragedy in the form of gun violence. I say another because I'm not even going to pretend that our city does not have a problem with violence and gun violence. Um, this one just happened to catapult us to the national news, which is never what a city wants to be known for. That Wednesday was supposed to be a day rooted in love and celebration, and it was also Ash Wednesday, so it was rooted in faith. Um, and it hurts and it's hard to believe that so quickly it turned into a day of hate and tragedy, um, disbelief, and really a lack of faith in being able to be safe in our world today. If you live in Kansas City, you surely know at least one person that was down there. And I'm sure like me, you um, heard it on TV and you started sending text messages. Um, you started trying to find your people and make sure everyone was okay. I'm sure you talked to neighbors like I did, um, some of whom were down there, a lot of whom were in disbelief. You may have been like me and struggled to send your kids back to school the following day. This is hard stuff. And I think it's hard for me, yes, because it finally came really, really close to home. Um, and tragically, there was a life lost. And there were families hurt. And there were kids traumatized. But for me, the hardest part is that um, this has become somewhat normal in our country. It's normal to hear of mass shootings. It's normal to go through the motions of mourning, of fear, of gratitude that it wasn't you, and sadness that it was someone else. What does this have to do with Project More Happy? A lot. <laughs> Project More Happy was actually founded because of another Valentine's Day shooting. Both my kids were really young. I didn't live in Florida. I didn't live near Parkland. I didn't know anyone. But my kids were young and that got me at my core. And I said, why do we keep doing this? Why do we let people get to the point where hate is so deep, where lives have no value? And we say, it's okay that if you hate someone enough, you can hurt them. And the science says, that a flourishing society doesn't think or work like that. And so I found a project more happy as a way to start sharing and spreading the science of happiness and flourishing as my way to be a part of the solution to violence in our society, to hate 
in our society. We've talked a lot on this podcast about how we all share the same core desires. Um, We want to be seen and heard. We want to be valued. And we want to be loved. And the science of flourishing tells us how to get there for ourselves so that we can get there for the people around us in our lives. And so when I see things like what happened last week take place, I see hurt and I see pain and I see suffering. And yes, I see it in the victims and I see it in the people who have been traumatized, but I also see it in the people who chose to act and respond in those ways at that moment. My heart goes out to everyone who is down there and everyone who is carrying this story and the weight of it with them now. My heart goes out to to the men who did this, who responded in this way who sprayed bullets into a crowd of people for whatever reason they did. Because the way I see it is we, as a society, as a people, as a species, we failed in this situation. We failed to protect one another But we fail to let people know that they are seen and heard and valued and loved. And yes, I understand and fully acknowledge that people are responsible for their own actions. But I also believe that we as a society have a responsibility to set one another up for success. To help create communities and a world built on love and acceptance where actions rooted in hate and terror have no home. And so we're going to talk today about how we change that. How we change the narrative. How we change our responsibilities to one another so that we don't end up in this continuous cycle of hate and violence so that we learn to see one another as humans, as humans who behave in certain ways, as humans who make mistakes, who are imperfect. And we see each other in our full humanity and see the value there and are able to love people for who they are, and for the gifts they bring. And so let's do that. Let's move to the science um, so that we can hopefully design better systems for us so that we might all flourish and we can stop hearing news of another mass shooting, another life lost, another life taken. We know on this podcast that there are eight pillars of happiness, right? We talk about the eight pillars of happiness a lot. And the eight pillars of happiness are really skill sets 
um, that we know that science has proven lead to overall well-being and flourishing. And one of the skills is compassion, right? It's being able to see each other in their full humanity and try and understand what it's like to be the other person and want to help um, them on their journey. Another of the eight pillars is authenticity. Authenticity is the skill set that allows us to confidently show up as the wonderful, amazing, unique people we are. Optimism, another skill set for um, flourishing. Optimism is to be able to look into the future with hope, knowing that even though things are hard and even though life is challenging and even though things aren't going our way, there is always hope. There is always a better path forward. That's optimism. There are, of course, five other pillars. Gratitude, confidence, feeling. Feeling is a big one that plays into this. Feeling, you know, is also the skill set that allows for emotional regulation. So when we get really upset and worked up, we can regulate that and we can check in with our body and say, why am I feeling this way and what do I need to do? How do I release this? And not release it as in ignore it, but let it work through me and then release it so that I can move on to better things. So the last two of the eight pillars of happiness are purpose. Understanding that you have gifts to offer the world that the world needs. And understanding that other people have gifts to offer the world that the world needs to flourish. And then lastly, curiosity. Curiosity is a skill that I feel is being diminished each and every day in our culture. I think there are a lot of reasons why um, curiosity is um, fading away. But curiosity in the world and in people and in feelings and um, in how we show up and how we can do better and how we can build better communities and stronger communities and systems and world. That is all curiosity. You have to be curious to be able to do things and see things differently. So those are the eight pillars of happiness. Why are we talking about these? Why are we talking about these right now when this episode is about the hate and violence and trauma that exists in our world today? Well, if we're trying to build a world that flourishes and we need these eight skills to flourish, it's what science has shown us again and again, then I would say that the world we live in right now is a world of suffering, where there is a lack of these skills, where there is a lack of compassion for one another and ourselves, where there is a lack of authenticity and vulnerability and humanity, 
where there is a lack of curiosity, of optimism. We get stuck in when things are going wrong or when things are bad. We get stuck in the bad. We ruminate in the bad. We tell ourselves stories that justify the bad. Because we don't have the skills to move forward. We don't have the skills to design lives that allow for us to flourish. To get from suffering to flourishing, we have the roadmap. But we're not implementing it culturally. We're not living it for one another. And when we aren't doing that, we're not allowing people, let alone ourselves, to be seen and heard and valued and loved. Because a lot of us don't feel seen and heard and valued and loved. And when we don't feel seen and heard and valued and loved, we are suffering. When I was younger, in high school um, and college, I suffered depression. (laughs) I did not feel seen and heard. I certainly did not feel valued and loved. And there were times in my life that I didn't value my own existence. I didn't celebrate my gifts. Heck, I didn't even see I had any gifts. I did not believe I deserved to live. The suicide rate for kids and high schoolers and college students just keeps going up. Our system is not letting all of these amazing people know that they are seen and heard and valued and loved. And when we don't value our own lives, when we don't feel valued, we certainly don't look at the person across the room who has ticked us off and value their lives. And when we stop valuing humanity is when we start justifying violence. It's not always a cognizant choice. If I have determined that I am not worthy of life, then I have decided that some people aren't worthy of life. And if I can decide that for me, then I can decide that for everyone else. And that's the world and the mess that we've built for ourselves. Yes, there is a gun problem in this country. There absolutely is. And there are a lot of laws and loopholes that need fixed to help curb the gun issue in this country. And also, there is a mental health crisis in this country. And I'm choosing my words wisely because, yes, there are mental illnesses. And we tend to write off a lot of these horrific acts as acts that stem from mental illness. I think that is BS. Because it says that is a diagnostic thing that I cannot control. Not everyone has 
mental illness, but everyone has mental health. And collectively, as a country and as a society, our mental health sucks right now. We are not taking care of ourselves, and therefore we are not taking care of one another. And if we stop valuing life, our own or other people's, and we add guns into the equation, that's where disaster happens. But if we took away all the guns and didn't change the mental health crises of our country, we would still hurt and kill one another. Because the guns are a tool. The problem is our mental health. The problem is we are not building a country and structuring a country for one another's flourishing. Happiness is not a priority for us. Our emotional well-being is not a priority for us. It should be. All the science says that countries where people are happier, countries are flourishing economically. Um, The productivity goes way up. They are wealthier countries. They have healthier citizens. But we do not value that. And we may say that we value that, but our systems and support structures are not in place to actually enable that for one another. So what do we do and what does this different future look like if we change our systems and make them life-giving? Build them around the science of flourishing so that we can help one another with the skills needed to flourish and thrive as humans? How can we use systems to lift people out of suffering? How can we use the science to let all of us see and celebrate our humanity, the gifts we have? There is a difference between identity and behavior. And I feel like we have crossed this line in our country where if someone makes a mistake, we label them bad, right? He did this, so he's a bad person. No, he did a bad thing. He made a mistake. He did something wrong. That is not his identity. It's the same that we talk about a lot with feeling, like I am angry versus I feel angry. I am more than just one event or behavior or feeling. And when we get so black and white like that, it allows for all the division and hate in our country and allows us to demonize one another and say, those people are not worthy of the life that I'm worthy of because those are bad people. I don't believe in bad people. I believe in bad circumstances. I believe in structures that oppress. I believe in whole systems that are not built for the betterment of us as a people, as communities, and as a world. And I honestly believe, and it's funny because I taught a happiness class um, a couple weeks ago here in Kansas City, and as the class was leaving, a guy turned around and he said, you're really passionate about this stuff. I can see it. This is great. You need to do more of it. And I just said, yeah. I truly, honestly, in my heart of hearts believe that happiness can change our world. And I do. So how do we build systems around the science of happiness and flourishing? And what systems do we need to start with so that we can lift 
all of us out of suffering and create a more hopeful place, a safer place, a more welcoming place for all of us to not just exist in, but really thrive in. Let me start by saying that this is systemic. This is a cultural problem. It comes from all aspects of our life. It comes from politicians, from national policy. It is all invasive. Uh, This idea of whether or not life has value and of some lives having more value than others which none of that is true, and we know that. Every life has value. Everyone has gifts to share the world. Everyone has unique perspectives that can change how we fundamentally show up and do things. Everyone has worth. Everyone is smart in their own way. Everyone has the ability to create change, to create. That is a human skill. We can create things. We can design a new world. We can design new systems. We can design our way out of this, which is where I get really excited because, again, we have the science, we have the roadmap, and we have the ability to design solutions here. But it is not on the onus of individuals to shoulder all of this because when we have laws in our country, when we have practices in our country that say some lives don't have value, then we are showing all of our citizens, even the youngest of our citizens, that some lives don't have value. So when you have a policy like the death penalty that says these people no longer deserve to live, you're saying that some lives don't have value. You are justifying violence. You are justifying killing people. The same goes with wars we get involved in. When you say all lives have value, except we are going to provide arms so that a country can attack and kill 33,000 people in another country. You are saying and showing that you believe, that we believe as a country and as a people, that some life doesn't have value. So it is systemic. It is from the top. And so we need to work to make changes in policies around that. Because... You know, the adage, do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't actually work. And every parent knows that. Every parent can tell their kids not to do something. And the first time the kid sees the parent doing that very same thing, they know they can get away with it. They know it's possible. They know that the rules only apply to certain people. And that's what our government tells us. That's what the policymakers tell us. And guess what? We do have a way to design ourselves out of this. And that's through voting or running for office or helping form policies that are life-giving. That are life-giving. There are not bad people who deserve to die. There aren't. 
I don't care what religious background you come from. Every single one of them values life. Says that all life has value and meaning. Champions love. So we need policies that are life-giving. You can be a part of writing those policies. You can run for office and, and run on platforms that promote those policies. And if none of that is interesting to you, you can sure as hell use your vote to help change and give voice to the policies that we want in this country. Life-giving. Where else can we use the science of flourishing and positive psychology to help give life, to be life-giving? I mentioned a second ago the death penalty, but our entire prison system goes against the science of positive psychology. It goes against flourishing. It is not life-giving. It is inhumane, and it is saying, once again, that some lives have value and some don't. We can treat some people good and treat other people like crap. We are justifying it. And then we're angry when people turn to violence because they no longer value their life, and therefore they no longer value their neighbors. So prison reform, that is a huge system and structure that we need to infuse the science into and make it life-giving. The educational system. Oh my goodness. The educational system. Our kids are taught and grown up in systems that are not life-giving systems. They're systems of competition. They're systems of efficiency. They are systems of conformity. Conformity goes against the pillar and skill of authenticity. And when we aren't authentic or we aren't allowed to be authentic, we don't have confidence in our voice and value and worth. These systems that we are all required to be a part of, that we all support with our tax dollars, that we all have to be bought into, are not life-giving systems. And then we wonder why people don't value life. I don't wonder it. We know the eight skills every human needs to flourish. And we don't provide people with the opportunity to learn them. And so, yes, I think we need to teach the eight pillars of happiness and the science of flourishing to as many people as we can. But we also need to create systems that enable it. Our education system, our schools should enable and create an environment where people feel confident and they feel like they can show up authentically as themselves, where they feel seen and heard and valued and loved. Not where they're told you are seen and heard and valued and loved, but where they feel it in their core, where they believe it. Because when they believe it about themselves, then they can believe it and see it in their classmates. And so when someone does them wrong, when someone hurts their feelings, when someone angers them, instead of turning into a bully, instead of turning to violence, they see the other person's humanity. And they know how to process feelings. They know and have practiced emotional regulation, conflict resolution. 
That's why the eight pillars are so important. And that's why I know in my heart of hearts that they can have such a huge impact on how we live and the systems and structures we can build to create communities that flourish, to create a world that flourishes and thrives where there aren't People being oppressed and people being left behind and people made to feel like they have no value or worth. There is a world that we can design to eliminate a lot of the suffering that we all carry with us each and every day. We know that it's, that it's available to us because science has shown it. But we have to now take this knowledge, and I know the field of positive psychology is only about 30 years old, So we've got to take everything we've learned in the past 30 years and start building these systems and these structures that incorporate it and use it to the benefit of us all. How do we even start this though? I think a lot of it is starting by asking the right questions. Because I think a lot of times we are focused on the wrong problems and therefore we can't come up with better solutions. Right? When we frame everything as a gun problem, then we're not going to come up with solutions about our mental health and flourishing. How might we curb gun violence is a very different question than how might we create a society where our shared humanity is celebrated and everyone is seen, heard, valued, and loved. When we focus on that second question, instead of the first we are going to be able to address the gun issue along with a hundred other issues because we're going to the bigger picture and we're going to the direction of the solution that we want to the utopia that we want to design for ourselves and for our world. There's this great quote from Desmond Tutu that I come back to a lot when thinking of these big picture societal challenges. And he says, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And I think that's the point we're at when it comes to gun violence and divisiveness and hate and suffering that we see and feel every time we turn on the news these days. That we see and feel every time we hear um, political discussions. Um, Every time we jump on social media. We need to stop pulling people out of the suffering and start finding out why they're falling in in the first place. Why are people killing other people? Why do they think that's okay? Why don't they value everyone's humanity? Why aren't people flourishing? Well, we don't have systems in place that allow for it, for all of us. And it's about time we did. So we're going to wrap up um, this episode with hopefully some next steps that we can all take to start designing and creating this better world 
for ourselves that we all want. Because I know none of us want to worry about a mass shooting at the next event we're going to. We would all rather choose love and celebration over hate and tragedy. And so we've got to get to work forcing the changes necessary to build the systems and structures to support this new world that we want together. And we talked earlier about how, yes, we need to vote. We need to vote for policies that are life-giving. But there's also some changes we need to make in our individual lives and relationships and conversations that can have a big impact on the next generation, on the kids that are watching us, on how we show up and practice compassion for ourselves and one another. And the first thing, and I catch this a lot um, now that I've done a lot of work in practicing compassion, is we as a society tend to use the word hate an awful lot. Hate is defined as passionate dislike. And we throw it around all the time. We hate that flavor of ice cream. We hate the referee who made that call. We hate the driver in front of us who didn't use his turn signal. While I can see and understand that we dislike a lot of things, right? Pistachio ice cream, I do not like. But I can tell you with a lot of certainty that I do not hate pistachio ice cream. And so I think being aware of the language we use does make a big difference. If we want less hate in the world, we have to stop using hateful and hurtful language in our daily lives. The next thing we can do, and I hope that this is what you leave every um, podcast episode with me thinking, is you can really practice the eight pillars of happiness for yourself, but enable them for other people. When you go into situations where other people are at the office, at city meetings, um, you know, just around the neighborhood, I'm hoping that you're saying, how can I make this person feel more confident in this situation? Or how can I create a space where they feel like they can show up authentically, genuinely as themselves? How can I practice and enable gratitude out in the world each and every day? Because yes, we're doing all of this happiness work for ourselves, but we're doing it for ourselves so that we can let our light shine onto others and so that we can build a better world all around. So the eight pillars of happiness that we should be practicing for ourselves and enabling for everyone else are curiosity, authenticity, purpose, optimism, compassion, feeling, confidence, and gratitude. And then if you're in a position to affect change in your office, in your community, in your household, use that position to create spaces and structures and systems of flourishing. Create spaces and structures and systems that are life-giving. So while, yes, it is systemic and we need to push for the work at the top, we also all have the capacity and ability to make change, lasting change, to have an impact based on how we show up 
and the worlds we want to create for ourselves and for our families and communities. I hope each of you know that you are seen and valued and loved. And if you don't, I'm telling you right now, I see you, I hear you, I value you, I love you. I hope everyone I see out in the world trying their best knows that. But I also know that they don't. And I know it because I lived a chunk of my life in this space where I didn't know it. I didn't believe it. I didn't feel it. And I think there were probably people around me that would say, well, I saw you, I heard you, I valued you, I loved you. But they didn't outwardly say it or show it or live it in a way that I internalized it. And so I think a lot of the work I try to do is be that person for y'all and for other people. It's why I volunteer with high school kids. It's why I do the work I do with my church and out in the community. It's why I teach my classes and it's why I show up and coach anyone who raises their hand to be coached. Because I want everyone to know that they are seen and heard and valued and loved. Because when they know that, then they'll start seeing it in everyone around them too. And that's the first step to stopping this violence and suffering that we live in right now. One final note before I sign off for the day. Um, I want to announce an exciting new partnership I have um, through my coaching um, to extend my platform and to join other people in this space who are trying to make a difference. And that is this new partnership I have with the Zant app. The Zant app's goal is to make mental health care accessible to everyone, to make therapists and coaches and mentors available to people who need them and raise their hand. And so you download the app, you can search for your needs. You know, if you need a therapist uh, to help you with anxiety, you can filter through and find the right people for you. You can also search me, Coach Jess, on the app. Download the app in the Google Store, in the Apple Store. Students never have to pay more than $25 a session, which is amazing to me. That is what makes it accessible. A lot of times, students in high school and universities don't have the resources financially or the systems available to them um, for mental health. And so this app is trying to change that. Everyone else, if you're not a student, there's still really good news for you. No one on the app charges more than $100 a session, and some charge less than that. So if you need some mental health support right now, and that is everything from depression and anxiety, that's where you'll find your therapist, to how do I find a job I love? How do I parent um, in a life and love-giving way? How do I practice the eight pillars of happiness? How do I affect change in my community? All of these things, they are a part of our mental health and well-being, and you can get resources for them at the Zant app. I will share um, where to download that app to all of you here. Again, download it, search for me. You can get your first session free on the app. And again, no session is over $100, um, $25 for students. 
I hope you leave here today knowing that we have the power to design our way out of this. We have the resources to tell us what the roadmap is. We have the brains and the skill sets to make it work for what we need it to be. We just need to do it. We need to take action. And yes, part of it is about gun violence, but a lot more of it is about how do we create a society that allows us all to flourish. That's it for today, friends. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, for tackling this really, really hard subject, for listening to and learning the science of happiness and positive psychology. I know how life-changing this can be. I know how important it is for us to do the work to create more life-giving systems and structures for ourselves and for our world. We have the tools. We have the knowledge. We are completely capable of doing this. You are seen. You are heard. You are valued. And you are loved. See you next time here on the Project More Happy Podcast.